Section 3 of The Wallet of Kai Lung by Ernest Brahma. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 1 The Transformation of Ling, Part 3. It was very late when Ling again reached the small room which he had selected as soon as he reached Canton, but without waiting for food or sleep, he made himself fully acquainted with the times of the forthcoming examinations and the details of the circumstances connected with them. With much satisfaction, he found that he had still a week in which to revive his intellect on the most difficult subjects. Having become relieved on these points, Ling retired for a few hours' sleep, but rose again very early, and gave the whole day with great steadfastness to contemplation of the sacred classics Wai King, with the exception of a short period spent in purchasing ink, brushes, and writing leaves. The following day, having become mentally depressed, through witnessing unaccountable hordes of candidates thronging the streets of Canton, Ling put aside his books, and passed the time in visiting all the most celebrated tombs in the neighborhood of the city. Lightened in mind by this charitable and agreeable occupation, he returned to his studies with a fixed resolution, nor did he again falter in his purpose. On the evening of the examination, when he was sitting alone reading by the aid of a single light, as his custom was, a person arrived to see him, at the same time manifesting a considerable appearance of secrecy and reserve. Inwardly sighing at the interruption, Ling nevertheless received him with distinguished consideration and respect, setting tea before him, and performing towards it many honorable actions with his own hands. Not until some hours had sped in conversation relating to the health of the emperor, the unexpected appearance of a fiery dragon outside the city, and the insupportable price of opium, did the visitor allude to the object of his presence. It has been observed, he remarked, that the accomplished Ling, who aspires to a satisfactory rank at the examinations, has never before made the attempt. Doubtless, in this case, a preternatural wisdom will avail much, and its fortunate possessor will not go unrewarded. Yet, it is as precious stones among ashes for one to triumph in such circumstances." The fact is known to this person, replied Ling sadly, and the thought of the years he may have to wait before he shall have passed even the first degree weighs down his soul with bitterness from time to time. It is no infrequent thing for men of accomplished perseverance, but merely ordinary intellects, to grow venerable within the four walls of the examination cell, continued the other. Some again become afflicted with various malignant evils, while not a few, chiefly those who are presenting themselves for the first time, are so overcome on perceiving the examination paper and understanding the inadequate nature of their own accomplishments that they become an easy prey to the malicious spirits which are ever on the watch in those places, and after covering their leaves with unpresentable remarks and drawings of men and women of distinguished rank, have at length to be forcibly carried away by the attendants and secured with heavy chains." Such things undoubtedly exist, agreed Ling, yet by a due regard paid to spirits both good and bad, a proper esteem for one's ancestors, and a sufficiency of charms about the head and body, it is possible to be closeted with all manner of demons and yet to suffer no evil. It is undoubtedly possible to do so, according to the immortal principles, admitted the stranger, but it is not an undertaking in which a refined person would take intelligent pleasure. As the proverb says, he is a wise and enlightened suppliant who seeks to discover an honorable mandarin, 
but he is a fool who cries out, I have found one. However, it is obvious that the reason of my visit is understood, and that your distinguished confidence in yourself is merely a graceful endeavor to obtain my services for a less amount of tales than I should otherwise have demanded. For half the usual sum, therefore, this person will take your place in the examination cell, and enable your versatile name to appear in the winning lists, while you pass your moments in irreproachable pleasures elsewhere. Such a course had never presented itself to Ling. As the person who narrates this story has already marked, he had passed his life beyond the influence of the ways and manners of towns, and at the same time he had naturally been endowed with an unobtrusive high-mindedness. It appeared to him in consequence that by accepting this engaging offer he would be placing those who were competing with him at a disadvantage. This person clearly sees that it is a difficult matter for him to explain how this can be, as Ling would undoubtedly reward the services of the one who took his place, nor would the number of the competitors be in any way increased. Yet in such a way the thing took shape before his eyes. Knowing, however, that few persons would be able to understand this action, and being desirous of not injuring the estimable emotions of the obliging person who had come to him, Ling made a number of polished excuses in declining, hiding the true reason within himself. In this way he earned the powerful malignity of the person in question, who would not depart until he had effected a number of very disagreeable prophecies connected with unpropitious omens and internal torments, all of which undoubtedly had a great influence on Ling's life beyond that time. Each day of the examination found Ling alternately elated or depressed, according to the length and style of the essay which he had written while enclosed in his solitary examination cell. The trials each lasted a complete day, and long before the fifteen days which composed the full examination were passed, Ling found himself half regretting that he had not accepted his visitor's offer, or even reviling the day on which he had abandoned the hereditary calling of his ancestors. However, when, after all was over, he came to deliberate with himself on his chances of attaining a degree, he could not disguise from his own mind that he had well-formed hopes. He was not conscious of any undignified errors, and, in reply to several questions, he had been able to introduce curious knowledge which he possessed by means of his exceptional circumstances, knowledge which it was unlikely that any other candidate would have been able to make himself master of. At length the day arrived on which the results were to be made public, and Ling, together with all the other competitors and many distinguished persons, attended at the great hall of intellectual colored lights to hear the reading of the lists. Eight thousand candidates had been examined, and from this number less than two hundred were to be selected for appointments. Amid a most distinguished silence, the winning names were read out. Waves of most undignified but inevitable emotion passed over those assembled, as the list neared its end, and the chances of success became less at each spoken word. And then, finding that his was not among them, together with the greater part of those present, he became a prey to very inelegant thoughts, which were not lessened by the refined cries of triumph of the successful persons. Among this confusion, the one who had read the lists was observed to be endeavoring to make his voice known, whereupon, in the expectation that he had omitted a name, the tumult was quickly subdued by those who again had pleasurable visions. There was among the candidates one of the name of Ling, said he, when no noise had been obtained. 
the written leaves produced by this person are of a most versatile and conflicting order, so that indeed the accomplished examiners themselves are unable to decide whether they are very good or very bad. In this matter, therefore, it is clearly impossible to place the expert and inimitable Ling among the foremost, as his very uncertain success may have been brought about with the assistance of evil spirits. Nor would it be safe to pass over his efforts without reward, as he may be under protection of powerful but exceedingly ill-advised deities. The estimable Ling is told to appear again at this place after the gong has been struck three times, when the matter will have been looked at from all round. At this announcement there arose another great tumult, several crying out that assuredly their written leaves were either very good or very bad, but no further proclamation was made, and very soon the hall was cleared by force. At the time stated, Ling again presented himself at the hall, and was honorably received. The unusual circumstances of the matter have already been put forth, said an elderly Mandarin of engaging appearance, so that nothing remains to be made known except the end of our despicable efforts to come to an agreeable conclusion. In this we have been made successful, and now desire to notify the result. A very desirable and not unremunerative office, rarely bestowed in this manner, is lately vacant, and taking into our minds the circumstances of the event, and the fact that Ling comes from a province very esteemed for the warlike instincts of its inhabitants, we have decided to appoint him commander of the valiant and bloodthirsty band of archers, now stationed at Si Chow, in the province of Hunan. We have spoken. Let three guns go off in honor of the noble and invincible Ling, now and henceforth a commander in the ever-victorious army of the sublime emperor, brother of the sun and moon, and upholder of the four corners of the world. End of section three.